You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to What's New with Wired. It's Tuesday, July 12th. I'm Zeke Robison. Today we're talking about how marginalized groups often think about the mental impact of the climate crisis in different terms, meaning they end up crowded out of the conversation. Make sure to listen to the end to find out what other Wired podcasts you can check out today. Sarah Jaquette Ray has spent her career etching out an academic niche at the intersection of environmental issues and social justice. In the late 2010s, as concern around the climate crisis finally began to swell toward today's crescendo, Ray, a professor of environmental studies at California State Polytechnic University Humboldt, turned her focus toward a relatively new phenomenon that had entered the discourse, climate anxiety, the chronic fear of environmental doom. As Ray began to write and talk about climate anxiety, she very quickly noticed that the people interested in her work shifted. What happened? It got a lot wider, she says. A growing discomfort prompted her to pen an opinion piece for Scientific American in March 2021, in which she expressed concern about what she dubbed the unbearable whiteness of the climate anxiety conversation. In her words, she was sounding the alarm that if marginalized people continued to be left out of the discussion, climate anxiety could manifest as fear or anger against marginalized communities, and society would forgo the intersectional approach needed to take action against the climate crisis. She wanted to capture the ways in which white emotions can take up all the oxygen in the room. The term climate anxiety itself seemed to mean much more to the white and wealthy experiencing an existential threat for the very first time. Climate justice writer Mary Inez Hegler has dubbed this existential exceptionalism when the privileged represent climate change as humanity's first existential crisis, effectively scrubbing away centuries of oppression that very much targeted the existence of people of color and other marginalized populations. Ray's work has been really important and provocative for getting the much-needed critical questions opened up about who is being emphasized in the conversation about climate anxiety, says Britt Ray, a human and planetary health fellow at Stanford University and author of the new book Generation Dread, Finding Purpose in an Age of Climate Crisis. Ray's own more recent research shows that while white people might make up the majority of voices in the conversation, climate anxiety is a phenomenon that does not discriminate by race, class, or geography. In 2021, Ray and her colleagues published a study that surveyed 10,000 young people between the ages of 16 and 25 
in diverse settings around the world from Nigeria to India, the United Kingdom, and Brazil. They found that more than 45% of the participants said their feelings about the climate crisis were negatively impacting their ability to function on a daily basis, eating, going to work, sleeping, studying. And when researchers looked at countries where climate disasters have already become more intense, such as Nigeria, the Philippines, and India, the proportion reporting distress was much higher. It hovered around 75% of the respondents in some of these places. It really points out the inequities and injustices wrapped up in climate anxiety as we understand how it manifests in people's lives, says Ray. Part of the reason certain groups have dominated the conversation could simply come down to language. The reality is that what the term climate anxiety means to a white middle-class European might differ completely from what it means to a poor farmer in Lagos. Why somebody might say they're experiencing anxiety is derived from a mishmash of preformed notions of what anxiety is, their background, and what words are available to them. Climate anxiety as a term is very privileged, says Ray. Not to mention all the emotions that we don't even have language for, right? This chimes from the findings of Mitzi Janelle Tan, a climate justice activist from Metro Manila in the Philippines. In November 2020, the Philippines was hit by two back-to-back -back typhoons, prompting Tan's organization, Youth Advocates for Climate Action Philippines, to spring into action to feed the communities left hungry. They also then asked people how they felt after the event. Not a lot of people actually talked about the anxiety and the trauma that they experienced, Tan says. She thinks this can be attributed in part to the idea of Filipino resilience, which can be a positive thing, but also to the fact that mental health is not talked about a lot in the Philippines. And so some people don't even have the words for it because it's not correlated in people's minds. There are ways of getting around the linguistic narrowness and relativity of the terminology to get a better picture of the mental repercussions of the climate crisis. Amruta Nori Sarma is an assistant professor in environmental health at Boston University who studies the relationship between climate change and mental health in vulnerable communities. When conducting research in India, her team relied on basic mental health questionnaires, rather than asking people outright whether they had experienced climate-related effects on their mental health. What these communities face is not the amorphous threat to their children's children. They are already battling extreme, record-breaking heat waves. Yet these people might not classify any negative response to such events as climate anxiety. People don't necessarily understand trauma, even if they've been through trauma. They may not have the same word for it, she says. And that's why the way of tackling the mental fallout of the climate crisis is not going to be one-size-fits-all. There's not necessarily going to be a solution that works uniformly for everybody, including people living in the U.S. and people living in India and people in the Philippines, says Nori Sarma. But Ray and Ray reserve optimism that the conversation will continue to evolve and that it will increasingly recognize and address its own privilege. One of the things that can happen is we have a much more robust conversation about all of the emotions that people who are actually experiencing climate change are feeling, says Ray. But at the same time, she believes we shouldn't reject climate anxiety as an all-encompassing category for thinking about the mental health impacts of the climate crisis. As a tool for mobilizing people to respond to climate change, it's actually very effective, she says. Make sure to check out our other Wired podcasts. Today in Wired Business, no one will agree on what the metaverse is, but that's not stopping a coalition of big names in tech from designing the tools needed to build it. Checking in on Wired Science, scientists are trying to grow crops in the dark. And on Wired Security, we look at how to avoid the worst Instagram scams. Listen to these stories and more at wired.com podcasts. Thanks for listening to Wired. 
Check back in tomorrow to hear more stories from Wired.com. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.